because although you've told me something about your way of thinking, uh, and this didn't come as a surprise, but, but nevertheless, I knew 1%, or understood 1%. And I will, I'll go for the jugular. Uh, William James wrote an, an essay on the subject, Does Consciousness Exist? Mm -hmm. And decided it didn't. Right, that only things are conscious, there is no consciousness, per se. Uh, the, there is consciousness, but there isn't consciousness as a field. It exists within beings and entities. Yes. So. But it also... I, 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 will, I will describe it in terms of Whitehead rather than James. Uh, Whitehead thinks that James' essay mm -hmm. on that topic uh, is the beginning of a new philosophy. So he take, took it very seriously, and I think his reasons are similar to James, mm -hmm. but I, since I haven't studied it in James, I've, uh, from, from Whitehead's point of view, uh, making sub it's almost substantializing uh, what should be thought of only as an adjective. And um, and if one said experience instead of saying consciousness, and then one could talk about conscious experience and non-conscious experience, uh, th that would be much more comfortable. In other words, so consciousness sounds like you're making an it mm -hmm. and a, a substance. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that is n not at all acceptable to, to process. Mm -hmm. And I'd, I really don't think it should be necessary for you in fact, I think it cuts against much of what you say. In, in what way? I don't I mean, you have consciousness and vigor and vim, and then you sometimes talk about being. And if you, what you say about them and their relationships uh, doesn't really fit with substances. But much of the concept, you see, my objection is you you too much conceptual. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> uh, but uh, once you have substantialized them, uh, they they can't function the way you want them to. At least, I'm obviously being arbitrary. I mean, I'm not giving a full explanation of that, but, but, uh, I mean, I, I understand verity is not identical with truth, but uh, since truth is the usual language, truth is not something that exists. Right. There are, there are things that are true and there are, there are, um, 
propositions that come close to the truth, <laughs> close to being true. But uh, in Plato, you could, I mean, in Platonic view, I think you could almost say that the good, the beautiful, and the true sure. uh, sort of exist independently of, uh, of their individual ex expressions. Now, you know, everything you say, you say it in such qualified form and then so much that you say about what you have said is fine. I'm, I'm left a little puzzled. It sounds like perhaps the most important thing is to stop, stop conceptualizing. And I don't agree that to that. But then, of course, you're arguing with concepts against conceptualizing. And, and I, I point that out. I know. Yeah. I know. I, I, I think you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no other way to do it. And of course, and then in part two, I, I go into language. And the whole language game we have to play with one another. Yeah. That's the it's the first part of the second... Yeah. It's the first chapter in the second part of the book or yeah. the series. So, yeah. So, uh, I I I know that you know you cannot avoid conceptualizing mm -hmm. at the same time that that to to end conceptualizing is the goal, and. Uh, that that could be an extremely discouraging. The tone of your writing is not discouraging. But if you just take those two points, that what you must do in order to arrive at the proper goal is to stop conceptualizing, but you can't, that is impossible. And uh, I'm, I'm just much more comfortable saying, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right, the conceptualization almost always uh, fragments. And it almost always leads to what I would call idolatry. So I'm not disagreeing with you, but I, I think uh, I'm, I would prefer to talk about how to be by being very conscious that that's what we're doing, mm -hmm. we avoid uh, coming to those conclusions. And I think that's not too different from what you... It's, it's just... And then the other thing, probably the other difference too, we were just talking about this in the class on Saturday morning. Um, the only places in the world where anything like metaphysics or even the kinds of question, questioning that metaphysics uh, goes through are India and Greece, so far as I know. Yeah. And actually, in, in Greece it really was metaphysics, that is, it's, it's beyond the physics. And physics was not of much interest to, to the Indians, 
So to use the term metaphysics is very misleading. And that's very clear, of course, with what you're writing. I, you, you don't get into issues that arise out of the sciences. Not, not in that part. That, uh, and this, you know, part one here really is more, <clears throat> I think I say it early on, is it's, it really almost is more performative than anything to sort of set a tone uh-huh. and then, and then go, go from there. Because uh, I, I certainly do, and you and I have had this talk a, a number of times about, you know, can you have something, because the, the view that I present of consciousness in, you know, that book is very much, um, does very much, I think, probably stem from an Eastern sort of way of of thought. Very much so. Uh, It's a a westernized version of an Eastern philosophy, right? Um, That that has consciousness more as a field uh, than as something that you um, tap into and, and become. Um, and then, of course, so far as the conception, and I'm glossing over things just to kind of hit the... But um, then to, to get to, uh, you know, or to deconceptualize ourselves, you have to do that through conception. Uh, and, and really, the height of consciousness is, uh, you know, you've, got, you've gone through conception and then are able to simply, as I say, to caress, that is, to simply be with. Um, and, and that doesn't necessarily require the conceptualized modus uh-huh. that we always go through. Uh, we, not all, but so, but so many folks go through, um, through this uh, process of understanding where, the, where they are only doing it through um, quote-unquote conception. But it's something that we do at every moment of, every, of being conscious in the way that we've s- structured our own consciousness, of course. Uh, yet at the same time, um, I think that uh, again, it, it, as as a performance, um, it, it it really uh, and and a, a good philosophy shouldn't simply be performative. But again, it's try, trying to more set the stage. But um, I think that um, uh, well, I I I think I think that it 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 needs to. Um, Maybe you know in in the further chapters um, flesh out exactly what is is meant by um, by by shedding conception um, by what consciousness actually and and really quantifiably is um, because it's more glossy it's more glossed over I should say and just just has this air of, um, and it's not like the de- terms aren't defined, but um, it, it needs to be talked about more. Um, but yet again, and I, I, I think I kind of arrived at, at that conclusion by you know, when you go all the way back, because again, the, the argument is, and it says this somewhere, and I, I know you, I think you have a, an original yeah, you have a not for resale. So there are sort of a number of errors and whatnot in there, and the the back of the book doesn't say what the what the current version is. But um, the the argument for God's existence is that you can't have a thing. And this is the major contention: is that you you can't have something without something else per, perceiving it. Um, and and that if you follow the modern science, and it says, and I know we've talked many times about they're not maybe necessarily being a, a big bang to start the universe. But nevertheless, the, 
in, in, in my opinion, it, it seems logical enough that you have to have something that is conscious in order to have anything at all. And vice versa, if you have anything. Now, if is that conscious. because uh, unless it enters into some consciousness, uh, it, the thing doesn't have any reality? Correct. Um, well, it ha- reality is given when there's a there's an action there in process it would be there's there's just events right that's right and then, and then the events are are in themselves when they're not conscious they're just events that just take place no no, no but they they are occasions of experience they're occasions of experience yes right yeah. right and i'm i'm not sure why it's so important to you to limit uh what gives reality to things to consciousness, I I think this was. Uh, well, I mean, if if you bring in a divine consciousness as a s- separate thing, that would be another matter. But in general, I don't think that's the way you want to solve the problem. Not really, because I I'm kind of trying to uh, not displace God. Well, sort of. Yes, I think you yeah. should say you're I, trying to displace. Maybe. Be- at least you you explicitly would like to displace the word God. Certainly. Because we don't know what we're talking about, I feel like. Mm-hmm. At least, in, and again, that's part of the performance, but uh, but I couldn't live my life without, you know, the recognition of some sort of deific happening, right? Um, so I don't want to get rid of a notion of, a, of, of some no, sort of deity. Sometimes, I mean, w- one of the many different ways in which people have thought about God is to say that God is being itself. Mm-hmm. Sure. And some of the things you say about verity come oh, and being, you use the word being. I also. do. I try to stay away from that Heideggerian kind of language um, of of. Or being being itself, of course, is a a Thomistic language. Right. Long okay. before it was Heideggerian. I suppose that's true. I just come more uh-huh. from um, that existential bent uh-huh. on it, um, and Heidegger. Um, of course, is when you talk about being. I mean, I, I can't get away from Heidegger from talking about being, for me, anyways. Uh-huh. Um, but I did want to stay away from from that. I wanted. To, I mean, you saw there are very little notes. There are very little references. Yeah. This is this is all from from, from your thinking. I think that's, that's right. I think it's wonderful that you're doing it. <laughs> I, I I I really wish you could get away from substance thinking in a more radical way than you do. What, and what do you mean by that, John? Uh, but, but, so by substance thinking, you, you mean um, uh, having a, some sort of physical reality that's attached to what I call consciousness and, and having that binary kind of relationship? Uh, well... Uh, one of the sub, two substantialized consciousnesses, which is what I think you do, is substance thinking. I see. It's making consciousness into something that exists in itself. I see. I see. Through time, and uh, is not. Uh, see, I, I I don't know. I mean. I, to me, you, you give to consciousness the power of making other things real. And uh, 
And but we were just talking about the the, the substance that part of it. You often speak of uh, things, and you give equal a kind of common status to things and events. And and maybe that's okay, but I mean it's not. It, it isn't satisfactory to me. If you're going to have both things and events, uh, I need to have some understanding of how things and events are related to each other. But in process, aren't things events in and of themselves? There are no things. Right, it's all of an event. Everything is, Everything is an event. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about this before, you and I have. Yeah. About, uh, well, we've <laughs> talked about all of this a dozen times, right? I mean, but... Um, specifically on this topic of consciousness, um, you, you had said that if I, before you read the book, uh-huh. you had said that if I just change consciousness to uh, events, then, then, oh, th- then you, you, you basically, I'd oh, have it. Oh, I mean, I think that, that there are many conscious events, mm-hmm. but, uh, that doesn't. So you can distinguish events that are conscious from events that are not conscious. And um, you, you, I mean, you often talk about a lot of a lot of concepts that you think we can do without. Well, consciousness would be one of the ones to do. Without. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and again, I think this is where it kind of harkens back to con- being using the word consciousness as a way to get, to invite everybody in. Because I also talk about um, how inanimate objects have a kind of consciousness, even though it is not the kind of consciousness that we certainly experience with the nervous system. I I don't see why you can't just say experience. Mm -hmm. But but you avoid doing that. I do, because I think, because I think for Mm -hmm. so many and I, I honestly, maybe one of the problems uh, of the book is it doesn't know who its audience is. I think mm-hmm. I'm trying to write it, you know, in our in our language, right? In the way that a philosopher or a theologian would write something like this, and yet, and yet have it at this accessible to other people. Um, and I th- it's a, it's a it's a bit of a tricky. I mean, I don't know when you write a book if you have a target audience or, or if you just just write on that. I, I I really hadn't thought about it until after I read it. To be honest with, until like after I read my own work, I said, I I wonder who this is for. Um, but I think that I've often used the word consciousness, or I've used the word consciousness maybe so often, is because it's something that everybody can kind of understand and relate to. Where events. Yeah, but I think it's just as bad as using God. Well, it, it does replace God, basically. Okay, it replaces God, and it has all the ambiguities of God and sub and un, yeah. for, bad substantialization and and so forth. That's fair. And I, I guess one reason I'm so uh, I'm so unhappy about making that so central is that. There are now uh, a lot of, uh, a lot, I don't know. It comes out fairly often 
that physicists will claim they can explain everything except consciousness. Mm -hmm. Well, that is so objectifying and dualizing and <laughs> all the things we both don't like. Right. <clears throat> and of course, I think that the things that the well, this is a little different, but somewhere you make the point that if you don't conceptualize, then when you perceive something, you become identical with what you perceive. And I don't believe that's true. I mean, just phenomenologically. Certainly you still have your own corporal being, of course. You have your own corporal being, and there is... I think I think there's a sense of the subject and the datum. The the subject is is not self-reflected at all. So the data, which constitute all the particularities of experience, may be what is being thought about, or if it's not thought about, perceived. But, uh, uh, I mean, I may be phenomenologically wrong on that, I don't know. But the <coughs> datum, it's being perceived by something, because it's there. It, uh, it's being perceived, makes it a datum of, of a it datum? functions as a datum in the experience. Because the experience, and, and this is, again, what you have mentioned before about, because the experience can, can sort of be that all-encompass, that catch-all uh, for, for every, or events and experiences, uh, because that's all that... We really don't know, I mean, when we try to think that there is something which is not an example of experience, then it usually ends up being the datum of somebody's experience. But I want to say that the datum is also conscious. I'm not conscious, I'm usually. I mean, obviously, the datum can be conscious. Mm -hmm. yeah. And is that because we've extracted it from someone else's experience, that it's... Well, I, I mean, it, uh, I think... The that, details around the event? Yeah. You see, I tend to do metaphysics in the Greek way. Mm -hmm. And in the Greek way, it comes after the physics. Mm -hmm. And uh, the notion of matter is simply a non-notion. <clears throat> but it's still the case that many scientists have a strong feeling that that data are lumps of matter, substances, and so forth. And they are so habituated to thinking in those terms that even though this, they cannot fit the subatomic world into those categories, they just say, oh, well, it's queer. <laughs> The subatomic world can be understood if we think about events. 
And then when we think about events, what would be an event in which there is no experience at all? What would that be? I don't think there's any answer to that. I think that's what nothing is, right? Something that has no datum and has no events. It has no, there's no awareness of it. There's no experience with it, with anything else. There's, there's literally a but from, void. From a Vitalian point of view, the event is a throb of a non-conscious emotion. A throb of non-conscious emotion. Yeah, okay, I can get behind that. And, and, uh, but it is also, can also be said, it is a synthesis of other events. But, but that, see, for Whitehead, to, to, to be an event is to be informed by a synthesizing of past events. And these are synthesized with their own, what he calls, subjective form. Emotion is the prominent, most prominent part of that. So he, he thinks that what physicists call energy is actually emotion. Hmm. I mean, in other words, physicists try to explain everything in terms of what is observed by something external to it. Right. And, and the, the, any efforts they make to tell you what things are in themselves, uh, they do. I mean, they, they still are so habituated to lumps of matter that it's, but obviously that ain't so. Sure. And that's the heart of what I define as conceptualization, right? Is, is we're, we're, as subjects, trying to define any number of things um, just, but but we can't do it efficiently, uh, given our subjective nature. Yeah, and and our difference is that Whitehead doesn't think you have to give up on conceptualizing, because we have been using bad concepts. And I and that's fair. <clears throat> um, I, I I think again it goes back to my want for it to be. I, I'm I'm just pounding it into people's heads that, you know the way that we've set up our consciousness has not is is there's a different way uh-huh. for for it, it to have gone um, and you see one of the interesting things is that the indo-european languages have shaped consciousness in a particular of way of course which um I, I may have said this to you before i was i was caught by jars pointing out that when there is rain, the only way we can express it is to say it is raining. Right. But if you ask what is the it, right, there, there's no answer to it. And of course, um, Descartes, cogito ergo sum. There's, but there's nothing about uh, thinking that implies or entails a separate substantial entity, which is, of course, the basis of which you can go from thinking, therefore, there is this kind of an entity. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It has to be a substance. Anyway, we we don't need to talk about it any more than you want to. No, I would. I'm happy to talk about. It. I mean, I I'm I'm interested to hear. Of course, I mean. I'm interested to hear anyone's opinion on it, especially yours. But I, I didn't. I should turn that around and say we don't have to talk about it any more than than you want to. Because I didn't. I didn't give you. And actually, I posted. You should. You'll get a kick out of this. I put when I came out because because uh, I just really released it a week or two ago, and it you can set it up if you have the rights to it, which I which I do. You can set it up on Amazon to give it away for free for a week. And I, I led with it, at least to my philosopher friends. I said, read the book that John Cobb himself called Something I Will Get To If I Have the Time. So, <laughs> so well, I think it's amazing uh, that you have had the time to write it. I just, I do it a little <laughs> bit every day. You know, Stephen Hawking w- wrote A Brief History of Time, uh, uh-huh. and he wrote, he tried to just write a page a day, and that's all he could do with his, with his state. Yeah. And at the time, he wrote it in like 1982 or something. He didn't have the, the, the machine to do it for. So that's why I just, every night, I just a little, just a little bit. Just, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I could well, I could have the whole thing done in a year. And then the I, fact that it ends up in very manageable uh, bits. I, tr- I, I thought that that was a good way to approach it. Oh, I think, I think you... Well, Nietzsche does that, you know, and, and so that's not exactly an original idea. Per se. I mean, there are a lot of people that, that, that do uh-huh. that. But, uh, but again, this goes back to, I think that... I wrote it, uh, looking back, I tried to write it for people who have no experience with this. Yet I wrote it in our language a little bit, but I tried to simplify it as much as possible. Um, But I I can't turn my back on my education. I mean, this is how we were taught to write. So in a way, you you have to, to, there's a great, I think it's Charlie Parker or Louis (laughs) Armstrong who says, yeah, first you master your instrument, and then you forget that shit, and you just play. Mm-hmm. And, and that that's kind of what I tried to do, and, and make that playing, you know, something that people could, anybody could just turn uh, on the radio and listen to it, and, and appreciate it. Or pick it up from anywhere, and just read a little, a little digestible bit, nugget of yeah. it there. Well, if, if you feel the need of continuing with the language of consciousness, uh, I, I think at least some of your potential readers would want to know that you are aware that process thought is very critical because you, you, you sound like you just take for granted that everybody will, will recognize there's something that is properly called consciousness. Yes. And, and, and to turn off, because you're not going to get a mass popular group reading this. It's, it's going to be a li- limited group. Mm-hmm. And most contemporary teachers of philosophy will give up after two pages. So, in spite of the fact that I'm always arguing with you, I think you are writing for... that you, you, you will get a hearing I mean, uh, Eastern thought has its following in the United States now, mm-hmm. and that's your problem, your number one sure. audience. But I think that Whiteheadians are probably your number two audience. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Um, but at the same time, and I, this is a, I was going to ask you, you understand why I, I have used consciousness, but 
Um, and it is, I mean, language that I'm, I'm comfortable with. I, I really don't understand why you insist on that. Well, it's, it, it's as is stated there, it's, it's simply because I feel like you can't have something that is veritably, that, that has any sort of verity within it, any sort of reality, uh, without something that recognizes that reality, whether or not it's consciousness as we perceive it as, you know, beings with nervous systems and, and whatnot. I mean, it doesn't have anything necessarily to do with that. Um, there has to be there has to be something that acknowledges the presence. You see, I I think that I think it's quite enough that it be felt. I think. So. I think that you are, even though you're very critical of the intellectualist mode, you're presuming it. But isn't a feeling just another kind of consciousness? I mean, that's... It's... Well, it's another kind of experience. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, the great majority of the sort of people who will read your book have heard, heard about unconscious experience. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't think, I don't think that, uh, I mean, I don't think the world is nearly as dependent on conscious experience as maybe you do. I think that lots of things were going on when there were no, no creatures when there was no consciousness. And I don't think we have to introduce God, God's consciousness in order to. But you're really opening the door for a very strong personalistic theism at this point. <laughs> I suppose. Uh, yeah, my contention is that you, ha you simply, again, have to have, to have something that's aware uh, you know, in order to have anything at all. Um, and whether that something is an event... You or... see, in that same context where you're saying things like that, you are also making the point that it doesn't have to be... doesn't have to be thought. And consciousness is so closely associated with the thinking aspect of... Anyway, yeah, I mean... You may have that right. It may be that exactly what you mean by consciousness is the only kind of relationship that gives any kind of rea rea reality to the datum. I, I don't see why that should be the case. But aren't, aren't we, you and I, right here, aren't we just playing a language game at this point? I don't know. I, I keep trying to probe. Right. But so far I haven't heard you make the concessions that you would have to make in order to agree with me. So I don't think it's just a language game. I, I think it might be, though. <clears throat> um, because I think that I use I throw around consciousness in... Do you include unconscious experience? Absolutely. As yeah. part of consciousness? Absolutely. Well, in that case, really you must say so. I thought that I... Maybe you do. I think I, that I do. I think, I, and I, I can go back and look, although at this point I have no idea where I would even 
start to yeah. look, right? I, I, I had that problem. I know you've written literally 50 times more of these than I have. But I had a difficult time going, where, where was that, right? And, and relocating it, right? Uh, do, you, do you have that problem when you write oh, a sure. book? Yeah, okay. Then I'm glad it's not just me. But um, uh, Okay. Because something has to perceive of that non-conscious happening. Something. Something. Something conscious has to perceive of the non-conscious. Yeah, even if that conscious something is unconscious itself. I mean, and this is where it does get a little twisted, I, I suppose, if you're going to approach it from this very sort of linguistic, like everything has to fit into a term. And I, and I understand that we do have to, as philosophers, define those terms and, and set those parameters. But I think... I'm not sure it, you it, Thank you, Suri. Um, uh, but I think that you can have, well, you can absolutely have things that occur that go unrecognized. Of course, I imagine, you know, more of those events, it's kind of like the dark matter of phenomenology, right? Um, that you, there are so many events that happen that, that maybe God itself isn't even aware of. And yet, it happens because it, I mean, it has a source, I, I imagine. There's a, there's some sort of cause, there's some sort of cosmology behind it all. Um, well, of course, the Pythagorean ontology that I accept, to be, is to be an instance of feeling. And, uh, and any instance of feeling is going to be felt by subsequent. But it's it's real, it's actual, before it is felt by another. But it, and it again, doesn't have to be felt by another. Its own act of feeling is quite enough to give it reality. But again, isn't feeling a kind of consciousness? Isn't that a kind of awareness? Even even if you're not aware of what the feeling is necessarily. The, 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 there's it, it has an effect. It has it it it, it has a veritable existence. And to keep with the language, there it, uh -huh. it does have a reality. And because it has a reality in this field of being, capital B, um, then then there is some awareness of it because there is. Some... But it it doesn't wait on something else being aware of it. If it no. is itself a it's moment a, of awareness, itself it itself could be because I mean it, the the happening itself, the event itself, yes. the occurrence is its own awareness. It, it is it is it produces its own consciousness. Again, when I hear the word consciousness, <laughs> I hear something much more limited than you do, yeah. and it may be you explain that in the books, maybe, but I, I can certainly. And it's not like, you know, what's written there is, you know, brought down on a stone tablet anywhere, oh. right? So, so a a any of this can be, can be, you know, hashed out or, or redefined or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 and I keep going back, and I've not talked about the, no one has read this. You're the first person, I think, to probably read it. Um, and so, and I'm, I'm happy to, to be able to talk about it with somebody. And I, I think I even read in your when I or I wrote when I dedicated it to you. I hope you enjoy disagreeing with this, okay. uh, <laughs> because I knew you would, right? Or at least parts of it. Sure. That part, because we've talked about this so yeah. frequently 
Uh, although I've not myself said, well, this is where I'm kind of coming from with that. It is such an Eastern approach towards consciousness. And uh, again, I, I keep coming back to, um, I think that I was using this almost as a performative language so that it's accessible for people because I do feel like more people have an idea of what consciousness is or to be aware of something than they do of uh, that, that process notion of, of an event, um, even though it's a very simplistic notion if once you get to understand what it is. Well, um, more people think in substance terms than in process terms. For sure. I, I hand you that. But and that's really the point of it. Right? I mean, that's the but, uh, philosophical but, but, word. But it's the substance stuff that gets you into all of this trouble. I mean, gets the world in all of this trouble. Yeah. But you think, and you think it gets a philosophical war in trouble because it, it, cause consciousness is so, is so broad. Is so well, I mean, I'm saying substance is, thought is in trouble. Yeah. So to add to the other substances... Consciousness as a substance surely doesn't help us any. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and yet at the same time, it, it is a, it's kind of like that whole uh, phantom particle experiment. I, I believe that consciousness can operate both as a, a wave and uh, a, 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 a photon, right, in, in a way. Um, that it shifts its own being dependent on, or it shifts its own state, or it shifts into uh, an event, or a mode. Because, as I've, I've mentioned numerous times there, for in the language of the book, verity and consciousness are two of the same things. So, so, uh -huh. so events, I mean, so you, you, could, you could strip it, I mean, so let me play this thought experiment with you. What if I didn't use the word consciousness at all there and just stuck with veritable happenings, which are basically events? Veritable happenings. Yeah, veritable occurrence. Sure. But I needed something in my mind, mm. maybe in my own conceptualized, overly conceptualized mind that I should get away from. In my mind, I needed something to relate to people that that there was something else going, that, that there is something that makes everything connected and aware of itself. There's something that allows and enables everything to interact with its, itself. And that something is, for me in this language, consciousness, the, whatever language we use, mm -hmm. it's not going to be probably correct. I mean, whatever. I mean, it, it, um, I just think experience would be a great deal less misleading. And you might be right. And I do say a number a number of times that you can you can uh, verity vim consciousness all of that. Um, the in interchangeable. It's it's simply the thing interacting with other things that have equal reality. Um, but you see, you using substantive language. The thing mm -hmm. sounds like a substance. I just, 
obviously, uh, if we have a different metaphysics, mm-hmm. and therefore, and that's really what it is. That's all it is, which is not. I don't. Th- I mean, which is an impassable thing for 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 some. I don't think it is for us at all, um, because it's just yeah, just different orientation points. Yeah, it's it's a different meta- metaphysics. That that's truly all it is. I believe. I think. I know. Well, because I know a lot more about process than you do about. Well, now you do. Now you know about my my meta- metaphysics. Uh huh. But I've got. I should say I've gotten to study you a lot more than you've gotten to study oh, me. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, and of course, a lot of this is uh, you know has has your fingertips on it, right? Your fingerprints on it. Uh, right? Obviously. I want to be on the same side of the war as you are. <laughs> right. <laughs> we all do, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I feel like uh, we are on the same side, but you are feeding, feeding good points to the opponent and seeming to agree with the opponent more than I would like to. Mm. I, well, I do think it's a matter of, I think it's a, a language thing. I think, it's a, I think it's a language game, I think. Yeah, well, it is a language thing. You see, the Indo-European languages are substance languages. Yes. And uh, you haven't worked hard to get rid of that. <clears throat> Not yet, but again. And, and in India, a long time ago, mm-hmm. Buddha worked very hard to get, get rid of that. And you you write more like a Hindu than mm-hmm. like a Buddhist. Mm-hmm. And again, part two opens up with Lang. I mean, I've got part two all written. Really, it's all done. Yeah, I just I've just got to uh, edit it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all part two is all about. I call it the old <coughs> systems, and it's uh, I I'll, I could look at my outline, but it's something like. It starts with language. That's where it starts with, and then it goes on to like culture and tradition. Uh, organizations, um, I think there are five of them. Gosh, I forget. I forget what they all are at this point. But, but, but systems that have have gotten us, hmm. and, and the systems that we implement and, and use on a on a daily and basis. Then it's very hard to write against the implications of the language you're using. Yes, I have found. I I, I started the whole book from uh, with the chapter on language mm-hmm. precisely for that reason mm-hmm. the whole books the that was the first thing i wrote was was the whole chapter on language because i knew i had to define my terms and i knew i had to figure out a way that i could speak against mm-hmm. this while using the code right with, at the same time and it is difficult it's totally difficult to do especially when i'm talking about trying to deconceptualize a human mind that's been totally grown and brought up through language. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, very difficult thing to, to do. And, uh, well, I don't know. And, it, and at the time, I hadn't decided that, I, we needed, that we needed consciousness and them and Verity all to kind of connect. Um, I, had, I, I, think my, I think that my thinking was at the time that we just needed to change the way that we talked about all of this stuff um, in order to arrive at a, what I now define as a veritable existence, a 
this this mm. coalescent existence, this 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 existence where we are in you know unity and lockstep <coughs> with with truth, whatever truth might be, which some, is something that we create, you know, as we go along. Uh, it with I mean that's create that's the creativity of of process. That's mm-hmm. yeah. I, when you know, I have obviously been struck by the fact that. Uh, China is so much more receptive to process mm-hmm. thinking. And then I go back in history and think Gautama has, does not have many followers in India. He doesn't? Gautama? Mm. Oh no, there are far more Hindus than Buddhists. I thought, I thought it was a major religion in, in India. I mean, it is. Well, it, it, the Buddhists have... Uh, rejected the class system. Mm-hmm. So many of the untouchables have become Buddhist. And that is... That's appealing, obviously, yeah. for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. But in China and Japan and Korea, um, process thought it doesn't fight against the language. And I think that's the reason that both Buddha and Whitehead can get their followers from from those cultures much right. more easily. Yeah, I um, <coughs> another person that heavily influenced that work, especially the first part of it, was. Do you know Judah Kirschmanerdi? I don't know. I mean, I know I know the name. Yes. Uh, <coughs> you would really dislike him. Mm-hmm. Um, although, I, I mean, I shouldn't say you would really dislike him. I, I would disagree with him. You would disagree with him a little bit. Because and he is, I suppose it is much more Hindu. Um, yeah. Oh, yes. It's much more Hindu. Yeah. Even though, do you know his story? No. His story is that he, and I'm going to misremember this, um, I, I, I imagine, but um, he was basically touted he was he was sort of you know how it's very popular in that tradition you know to find the reincarnated leader the you know 18th you know leader of the whatever sect of you know this uh-huh. right so he was initially identified as one of those one of those kinds of people um, but um, and this is more uh, when theosophy was was really really popular back at um, the earlier part of the twentieth you know, century there, um, but he was identified specifically by a Western group, um, that uh, this big Theosophist uh, group. I believe I believe it was the, there was a Theosophist yeah. uh, group, and uh, uh, they they identified him as as their leader. As in, he was a young boy mm-hmm. at that at that time. Um, and he basically was swept up into this tradition, and uh, this it was a, a gaining you know moment. It had all this momentum and this um, again Eastern and Western members. It was sort of this. I forget what they were called. If it was something like some Jade Star, or something something I forget. But uh, um, but it, it had quite a following. Mm-hmm. And it raised Krishmanerdi up to to be its leader, to be its virtual, you know, demigod. 
And at his coronation, more or less, and in front of tens of thousands of people, apparently, or I don't know how many, but a, a lot of people, he basically got up and dissolved the entire order at his coronation hmm. and said, if you're looking for me to lead you, you've, you're way off already. Hmm. Uh, the, the greatest thing that I will do for you, you know, the greatest thing that I can do to teach you is, is to tell you to follow yourself, and I hereby dissolve. dissolve. <laughs> uh, that, that is an interesting. Yeah, and uh, and you know he, his center is in Ojai over mm-hmm. here, um, and he went on to sort of now he was still of course highly regarded and highly followed by by <laughs> many people, even though he rejected you know being their their guru or yeah. their teacher or all, all of that. Uh, yet at the same time, he he basically never worked in his life, right? He was he was propped up by uh-huh. you know, um, and I'm I'm not being critical of him, but that's yeah. that's that's what. So uh, and and he did nothing but work on um, on his his general. I think David Bone. Yeah, he's very much uh, well. very very much in that that ilk. I mean, obviously Bohm doing all the science, um, but but. I think Capra, right? Bohm, uh-huh. um, guys like that have a lot to do. In, oh, I, I, Kirschman already is, is going to be highly influential uh-huh. on, on their work. Um, but he is big on, I don't know about his whole, I, 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 I love him. He is, he, is, he is probably my favorite. Um, but he is big on that whole notion of the observer becoming the observed through this field. And I think it's more of a meditation kind mm-hmm. of thing, mm-hmm. is that you reach a certain state of awareness. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of an interesting point. You sort of reach a state of awareness where you become unaware of yourself, uh-huh. right? And the datum becomes just mm-hmm. non-existent. And, and, you, and, of, and of course, for, for process folks, the self doesn't exist. Right, it's all just a, a conglomerate of events and a, of. Well, that that is what the Whitehead calls the living person, mm-hmm. which is a particular way in which the succession of events plays co- out, connects with past. Mm-hmm. But the, obviously, there is nothing that underlies that or is outside of that. It is, and I would just put it. I, I remember some happenings in the past in terms of how they felt. I remember others in terms of how they looked. <laughs> and, and the former one is the one that encourages people to then abstract an eye from the, from the under. Oh, I wanted to ask you about one other question, and I may have misread it. But it sounded like you were making past and future um, a kind of illusion. Because again, and this is where I think I need the, the language of consciousness to prove the, the point, mm-hmm. because it's all a relation. Because there's no, there's no set periods. Uh-huh. It's, everything is relational based on your perspective. But from a process point of view, your relation to the past and your relation to the future are very different relations. And in what way, John? 
because the past has already happened. The past has already it's, happened. It's there, and it determines the future. I mean, that's what process it, is. It's the cemented way in that. Goes, it influences. It's in a linear. It's in a linear that's progression. Right. Where I would say that you need the agency of consciousness, and I know that's substantive, but you need the agency of consciousness to uh, orient um, all of that. And yet, consciousness can take such a grand perspective if you take it out of individuals themselves that you can just as well experience what we think of as the past. Because we think of the past just because of our our orientation point, because we're here living here. And we think of the past because there is a past. There is a past, <laughs> according to us, as so far as we know, as so far as we have experienced it. That, well, that you could say is true. Absolutely everything in your book. It's so far as we know. I mean, isn't that right? I mean, I think we have a very vivid experience of the difference between past and future, and that, that's, that there is verity that difference <clears throat> but that verity is composed from uh, from a number of things all of which have to do with the way that we digest those events and experiences and we do that through the prism and a lens of some sort of what I again would call a, a conscious happening um, a conscious experience um, what I think process would more call a series of, of events. Well, a series of, of events in which there are definitely different types of feelings and different types of relations. And events that absolutely, <clears throat> veritably occur. Right? That have already have occurred. Have already occurred. And what is now occurring? Is now going to influence, and of course, that's the right. future. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, and, and yet there might be <clears throat> audibles and changes within that depending on the agency. Well, but now you say there's no individual in process, but there is agency. Oh, I didn't say there's no individual. Every moment of action, uh, I mean, every event is an individual. But you said that there's no self, sorry, in, in, conscious, or in process. I mean. the, you know, in, in your writing, I think you want us to take as holistic a view as possible. Okay. So, and within the totality of an experience, there are, there are patterns of relationship which give rise to talking about the I. So I'm not saying that there is no I, but the I is a momentary occurrence or a, a long series of momentary occurrences right, right. in which certain patterns prevail. Fair enough. <clears throat> so that's not saying there is none, but there is no substantial I. Right, right, <laughs> yes, of course. And, and, and later on, I think that this is in. Uh, well, it doesn't matter what part it is in, but it, it gets, it's quite a bit later in the book. And, I, and this is another chapter I have written, although it's, it's skeletal at this point, is I'll talk about what I call um, non-jectivity. Hmm. And non-jectivity is, it might, you might have discerned, is not subjectivity, it's not objectivity, it's the, the confluence and, and annihilation of of you know subjectivity and object because you have to have an individual i mean to because there is no subjective really i mean it's it, subjectivity and objectivity are first of all just orientation points I, 
that there is no event that does not have both subjective and objective ca characteristics. Although, couldn't you say, and yes, I, I generally agree with that, and now I'm just arguing to argue like, you know, um, like we, we are trained to do. But couldn't you say also that there, there might only be objective uh, occurrences? And, why, and yeah. why is that? Well, at that point, I come to your point that there has to be... A consciousness. A consciousness. Right. I, don't, I wouldn't call it a consciousness. Right. But to be at all, it has to be something for itself. And that's its subjective aspect. Right, because that's what an event is. It's a, it's a bit of its own self mm -hmm. immersed within the larger happening of. It has to have, with no data, that couldn't be, I mean, at least, we, don't, we can't imagine, this is why we can't imagine the first one. <laughs> we can't, we can't, every, for every occurrence, there must be a given. But every occurrence is an integration of that. And the act of the integrating is a subjective act. <clears throat> it doesn't do away with the causal efficacy of the past, but it does allow for change. <clears throat> now, John, where would you say, because you, I mean, you more or less brought God into the conversation. Uh, Oh yes, I talk about God all the time. Oh, of course you do. Yeah. But uh, but Whitehead doesn't necessarily. Well. Uh, well, but because you invented process theology. No. Well, but pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much, <laughs> process theology is what Whitehead says about God. And, and but but where does that? Because is God just an, an event? It's just like a. Well. God is an everlasting event. Mm -hmm. I mean, so God is very different from other events. <clears throat> I don't think that uh, anybody has come up with a totally self-consistent doctrine. So, yeah, but if God is an everlasting event, isn't that a substance there? No. Because it's... Because of... Every... <clears throat> excuse me. There are two ways to go, mm -hmm. and Hartzor took one, and Whitehead took the other. And I think there are some problems both ways, so I, I don't think everything is perfectly processed. Uh, <clears throat> every event is itself a happening. Mm -hmm. And um, every, uh, every happening has stages. It is a concrescence. So Whitehead's view is that God is an everlasting concrescence. And that's extremely different from the concrescences in creation that may, may take a tenth of a second or something like that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so Hartzong, then, then a, a living person is a succession of such occurrences. And for Hartzong, God is a living person. So God, God is a new actuality in every moment. 
for white-haired God is an everlasting concrescence. So God is a single actual entity and not trillions of actual entities. And what is he for you? Well, I have, I have decided that the, the problems, the uh, systematic problems and so forth, uh, are a little better dealt with by Whitehead than by Hartshorn. But probably my uh, personal piety fits better with Hartshorn. So I, I don't have a strong conviction about it. I kind of like the idea of a being that mm -hmm. is continually reinventing itself and being creative and, and continually present, um, and yet not this fixed. And I know that the, there's that dipolarity, yeah. of course. Um, yeah, either, either one of them has the dipolarity. Sure, but 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 that would, that would apply to this as well, wouldn't it? Um, that there's that eternal existence of, and then the, and then the continual renewal. Um, but I kind of, I kind of like the idea of a God, uh, yeah, being the, right there. The, um, the doctrine of God as having a causal efficacy in the world is more consistent with the view of God as a succession of actual entities. But it's affirmed very clearly by Whitehead. But in all other cases, it is only as an occasion is complete that it becomes causally efficacious mm -hmm. for others. So that's a reason for going the hearts on your way. The, the, the doctrine that I am uh, most, um, where I make a connection between philosophy and theology most close, is that um, every actual entity comes into being around an aim. I would totally agree with that because you had, I mean, uh -huh. Because don't you have to have to have anything? There has to be an intention. Yeah, I behind think so. it. There ha well, there has to be. Otherwise, what? I think this whole notion of an arbitrary nature, like that, that most scientists put forth, I yeah. think is ridiculous. You you can't. Ha there are no actions that happen without without some sort of intention, at least at least behind them. Now, what happens there might might be mm -hmm. very very completely estranged from their original intention. Sure. But, there, there has to, there has to be. And okay, well, you, you and Whitehead are on the same page. Right. There. Well, Whitehead yeah. must be a really smart guy. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I find the word "call" a very useful word call. theologically. Call. Like a call, a calling, or like calling. A, a call to. It can be a, a call, or a calling forth, but also yeah. moment by moment. Uh huh. I'm. And I wouldn't say this is, I wouldn't say it was conscious, but I think you would, that I'm, I'm being called to respond to the exact circumstances of this time mm -hmm. in the best way. And that is what he calls the initial aim. 
Isn't that the, uh, the lure also? Lure. Oh, that's the lure, right? That's right. In, in process language, that is. Um, in process language. And uh, I don't think Whitehead uses the word call. But I didn't become a Christian because of Whitehead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I had a vocabulary sure. in which I talked about. And it was, it's very uh, reassuring to me when I find the language that was being, has always been meaningful to me as a Christian it's comes, from, comes from the Bible, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's, of course, so many things come from the Bible. But, um, but, but Whitehead gives a detailed account of how it takes place. Mm -hmm. I think I've told, told you about my discovery of, I mean, I wrote a book in which I talked about the call forward. I don't know that I read that one. But that, that's okay. I'm just saying that the language of the call forward was because the call is always forward. <laughs> sure. Yeah. If you're, yeah. If you're getting called back, that's, uh, that's, that's not a great that's way to right. go. Uh, yeah. And much later, I discovered that Heidegger had written extensively, phenomenologically, about Der Ruf nach vor. And I was very pleased because that meant, I mean, I consider Heidegger a good phenomenal. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, or if I do know Der Ruf nach vor, nach vor uh, where does he write about that? Zeinenzeit. Okay. But he has a problem. For me, to be called is to be called by someone. Mm -hmm. But uh, he, he can't have any person you're being called by. And so finally, we call ourselves. Right. And this is known as authenticity. Mm. I get Lickkeit. Mm -hmm. And the, the German, I get Lickkeit, has a stronger focus upon the self than the word authenticity. I mean, the word author, who doesn't want to be authentic, you know? But, but to, to have the only thing I'm related to be myself is, uh, is sick. <laughs> and uh, so I have a strong feeling that his phenomenolo phenomenological discoveries point in the direction of God, but his unwillingness to consider theism led him to become a Nazi. I, and see, I read Heidegger and thought, <clears throat> this is a guy who's talking about God without talking about God. That, that, that for him being, you can only have that kind of happening. In, you know, with with the injection of a mm -hmm. of a of a deity or of, of something, and he wouldn't even like that language as deity. But like that, he was taught when he was talking about being, he's talking ultimately about about God, and in a sort of process Hartzornian way of it continually being brought forth and brought into existence. That that's how I had all I've always read Heidegger. You can read him as you wish. Yeah, sure. of course argued that he was not. <laughs> I understood, but I, I always read him as the 
I, I thought he actually gave one of the strongest arguments for God that I had ever read. No. I, uh, I, I, I think the fact that he could not allow an other. I don't mean he didn't allow other human beings. I don't think that he really had internal relations. You have the Mitzayin, the Dasein. Sure. But there's not, uh, they are not internal to you. Right. They're external It's relational. And uh, I, I mean, that's not the kind of God I'm interested in now, I'll put it that way. Just not no reason. To, I don't. I don't care for the being itself. I did. None of these are biblical at all. No. But the early church, because it was composed chiefly of Indo-European language speakers, turned dramatically away from biblical thinking. None of these metaphysical questions arise in the Bible. But what does arise in the Bible is stories and history and strong concern about what happens in the future. And none of that is to be found in Athens. The difference between how a non-Indo-European language shapes and directs thought and an Indo-European language is tremendous and Christianity has always been chaotic at this point. But Orthodox Christianity is totally unbiblical. Right. God is immutable and totally unaffected by whatever happens. Where do you find any hint of that in the Bible? It's, it's amazing that Christians went more worried, bothered by that. <laughs> so, it's, I find it nice to have a form of Western philosophy which is historical, story, temporal, oriented, since that's the piety I grew up with. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and being itself is a way of doing away with all that. Right. And I think a lot of that you want to do away with. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, I, yes, I, I, I want to, I want to get us detached from, um, this constant, you know, looking at a thing and thinking we understand or, or have comprehended what that thing is. I, 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 I feel well, comprehended what it is. That's still Greek. The biblical is comprehended how that informs the ongoing course of events. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> sure. I just I, I want but I want to be a part of those events and uh -huh. not I, I, I and I, I don't know if I use this in the book or elsewhere, but I've often used the example of it's it's studying the fish from the boat. Um, you can't, you can't have an understanding about these things, about, and, and, and yet I feel like this is how we live our lives, is that we, we, we think we understand, you know, 
who we are as people, not existential, but you know, even how biologically we work or, or what it means to be an American or what our duty is as a person, to, you know, relations to uh, all sorts of different people and everything in our lives. And we have all these, these quote unquote understandings about things that we don't approach um, with a creative, fresh, well, well, we don't, we don't allow for uh, any, any creativity, um, at all within our, within our day. Cause we think that we have an understanding of, of ourselves and the world around us that is, that is so far off the mark. Um, and it's, it's a narrative that has been given to us, of course, largely even before we were born. So we had nothing to do with this narrative. Uh, and yet it's something that we not only buy into, but further and perpetuate every day. Um, so that's what I want to stop. And I want to, I want to at least make our, our, our conscious experience ourselves as, as human beings, um, elastic enough to, to be able to approach those creative new happenings or events or just, just daily occurrences. Um, and meet those things head on in a way that continues for f- and furthers and perpetuates that creative happening and, and doesn't further entrench us in old modes and patterns. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, does that make sense? I don't know if that yeah. makes oh, sense. That, see, that's biblical. Is that okay? Well, it's what I am. <laughs> It's okay, and I love But I think it is also a very Eastern approach, right? Uh, as well, uh, and not that I need to put this divide between East and West. But well, but I think I think it's important. I mean, you see, I put Indians and Westerners together in terms of commonalities in that language, which are very important. But what what I was talking about. In the in the East, uh, the deepest questions don't grow out of questions about the nature, the objective nature of things. Uh, so I, I don't think that the East would have ever developed anything remotely like modern science. You don't think so. Uh, I, you know, I, I, it's funny that you say that because I often wonder if um, uh, if Native Americans if, had we not come along, I think no, they'd I just think, be. I, I think, I think the kinds of questions that gave rise to modern science, uh, distinctive questions growing out of a distinctive tradition. Want, oh, let me get that. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry, I, I totally yeah, forgot. Yeah, to me. Yeah. yeah. Hello. Uh, Joe, with all of my criticisms, I'm also inclined to think there are extremely few people who are becoming these days their own philosophers, and very few of them compete with you at the level of sophistication and rigor of thought and so forth. Thanks, John. And I am not one of them. I don't know how much... I, I really appreciate you saying that. 
thank you. That, that, that means a lot to me. Um, but that all said, and it really, really does mean a lot to me, uh, more than I can tell you, you know, here. Um, but that being said, uh, um, y- you know, uh, a lot of these, and you saw who I dedicated it to, obviously. Uh, this is things that, you know, the three of us had, had talked about for a long time. Me, me Shelly, and, and Anthony, had, we talked a lot about this stuff. Um, I've had some pretty good mentors, you included, right? I've, ha- I've had some literal world-class people. Um, so it's not like I just, no, you know, no, sat no. under a Bodhi tree one day and, uh, you know. No, but you, you <laughs> sat under a Bodhi tree many days. I guess, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? It's still evolving, right? I'm not set in, in, in any of this stuff. Mm. Um, <coughs> it's my favorite. I tell you, as much as I love Middle Tree, you know, it's not my heart. I mean, it is my heart, of course. <laughs> but this is, the, you know, I, I didn't yeah. go to school. To, you know, I didn't get my PhD in nonprofit executing, right? So I, I really hope that we get to a state where I can be the figurehead and, and be able to kind of to do this. Because I, I would love to see where it takes, where, where it takes me. Um, at the same time, I, I do want it to be accessible to people. And I, I do want people to understand. I, of course, I want it to be a part of the conversation. I mean, who, who puts out anything? Um, who doesn't want it to? Who wants it to be ignored or shrugged off or... Or taken as, uh, you know, something that that's unworthy of, of further conversation. Um, um, no, it, it's a great trick, a real trick, because the conversation in philosophy in American universities today is not something I'm really that interested. It centers in. around all this other stuff that is right. It's not non original. Uh, it's not. Uh, it isn't. It's it's not helping to save the world. Exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's precise. It's conception. It's professional conceptualization. Yeah. That, that's what it is to me. That's what it is, and that's why where I got so disheartened, and that's why I I went on to get you know that STD in that sacred theological doctorate, and that's where I thought that that degree meant even more to me than than anything I've gotten, uh-huh. and that's why I say you know as as silly as that that uh, those post nominals are. Um, that's where I, that's, that's what I put on there. Um, so, or, uh, you know, in, in, in my signature, in my name and my, uh, I don't know if I put it on the book or not. I don't think I did, but, um, but, um, I, 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 I think it's actually easier. Well, at least for me, um, and so how I wrote this and how I do all my, my writings is I first dictate it. I first just talk it out. Mm-hmm. I just dictate. I just have a conversation with myself mm-hmm. uh, about it, and I don't know what I'm gonna necessarily think about. You know, give me a topic, and I, I don't necessarily have an opinion on it or anything. I just sort of talk it out, and I t- take a walk, or you know, sit around the house and think about, and you know, and just just to have a conversation. And then from there, I write, I uh, transcribe the conversation, and then I and then I sit down and work it out. Uh, and so for me, that's the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, but of course I have a library that, you know, rivals yours and this is our, this is our field, right? This is, this is what we've done. So it doesn't necessarily just come from just me, uh, myself, but, uh, there it's, it's that whole, um, come in. 
Come in. Yes. <laughs> Here, Mr. Cove. Anything? The oh, 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 this, this yes. is... Oh, a, it's a different one. Yes, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Let's see. You were expecting if, somebody else, huh? Well, uh, he, he had told me someone was coming back, and I just thought maybe it was... I just assumed it was you, too. Yeah. put drops in my eye. Oh. But, That's what it was. But, uh, no, no, I want a... a uh, do you have oranges and do you... orange? Yes. Okay, I want an orange and prune juice. And prune juice. All right. All right. Hello. Hello. Oh, okay. Thank you. Right there. Much. You're welcome. Good night. Good night. Good night. <coughs> mm-hmm. um, there's a great, uh, a great Zen saying that says, uh, "You use Zen like soap." First you wash yourself with the soap, and then you wash off the soap. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more or less what I'm trying to, mm-hmm. or where I've come from. Because I've got all this knowledge about it. Because we've worked with it for, you know, professionally for almost 20 years now, which is nothing I know compared to what you've done. But it's, it's a, that's a chunk of time. It's half my life at this point. And certainly all of my adult life. Um, and now I'm trying to forget as much of it as I can. <laughs> right? And you know me, I'm not good with the detail. My brain does not think with, uh, in good, is, it just has never been, you know, flush with details, really. Um, and, and not that philosophy is so many details, but there are, there are a lot. I remember sitting in, uh, uh, what did they call it? Was it, uh, it was a survey class. But, you know, was, uh, you probably know better than I. So this is how bad I am with details. When you get your uh, as a at CGU, when you're a doctoral student, you have to do uh, maybe they change the requirement, but it's basically a survey class. And I remember thinking, I am never going to remember all this. Like I, I could take the best notes, and, and there were people, you know, to the left, right, front, and and behind me, who they just you know had all of this knowledge about, and they could rattle off all of this, you know, information right. about all this info and make all these connections that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to be outclassed. I don't say anything until because you're going to be exposed for, for the true idiot that you are. And, and I tried to play that game, uh, that first semester. I really tried to play that game of know it all, under, try and understand everything, be that encyclopedic kind of information sort of uh, person that, 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 that can, can do all these sort of uh, uh, academic, linguistic, you know, acrobats or acrobatics. But, um, uh, and then it was really, it was Chuck and Anthony who told me like, Joey, don't, do not, do not worry about this. You know, worry about the, you know, the reality. Worry about truth. Worry about what it is. And, uh, and they like kind of just a, reminded me to just be myself. And, and that's when I was then able to... Uh-huh. Oh, I flew. Then I was talking circles around them, even though I didn't have, you know, all the sure. the, the knowledge connection, right? Um, and that's how I've done it ever since. I mean, that's what got me into my you're, PhD. You're in a the great thinker, and therefore you are very critical of thinking. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best compliment you can get, right there. So, so, and thank you. I, I, I uh, of course, you know, as I said. You, I think we all want our work to be important and to be regarded as such because it's important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and philosophy is its own kind of art. It's its own kind of uh, creativity. And we want that to be acknowledged. Now, at the same time, of course, if you do it right, 
in this day and age, you probably will never be acknowledged, mm-hmm. I imagine. Just, just kind of like anything else that happens in this kind of I- I- insane asylum of a, of a, a society that we've created, um, that, that what tends to be on the side of truth gets very little airtime. Um, uh, nowadays, um, I hope that that's changing with the internet and with the kind of exposure that uh, it's bringing on on so many different levels to to people. But uh, I, I I don't I don't yet know. I think it's way too early to tell. Um, but uh, I don't know. I I want it. I I want this, of course, to be well regarded. Like I said, and, and well thought of, and um, and, and I, I would love some guidance as to how to maybe how to make it better. Um, uh, you're not only the first person who's read it, but you'll probably be the person who, who out of even if it gets read a thousand times, you'll probably be the person who understands it, it best because you were one of the people that had a, such a heavy hand in writing it, even though so much of it goes uh, maybe not directly, but and, and it's not directly. No, it's opposed. not directly opposed. Yeah. It simply uh, is uh, is operating out of a worldview in which different issues are important. Yes. It, like we said, or different orientations. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I appreciate you saying that, John. Thank you. Um, I I enjoy the heck out of doing it, and I would much rather be doing that than, uh, you know, answering emails and phone calls all day. <laughs> you know, but. Uh, uh, but that work is extraordinarily important as well, and I and I understand that also. And, and you, you have been extraordinarily successful in being original and creative, so that you have not simply learned how to administer something. You've learned how to understand what is really needed, and to bring it about. That. That's philosophical too. I guess it's in its own, in its own way, yeah. Um, Trish tells me, my Trish, tells me uh, often that um, I know so little about business that uh, I'm able to be great at it. <laughs> and I guess it's true because I'm not constrained by just just like, gosh, you, you could get so... And I think, again, that's the point of... of a, what I call quote unquote conceptualization. We, we think that we, we understand all this stuff because somebody else has done the work. And so we don't bring our own creativity to it. We don't bring our own, we don't know who are, we are Mm -hmm. as, as, as our own selves, much less who the frick God is or what God is. Um, so how do we even talk in in these terms? And yet we all, we all do. We play that game. We, we talk about something as if we know exactly what it is, whether it's something as simple as maybe ourselves or as complicated as God. Uh, we, we, I think we know so little about our own phenomena, our phenomenology in general, events that happen in the world, uh, how we relate to all these things. I think that the entirety of our, of our minds and of our consciousness, and this is why I keep, I think another reason why I keep uh, using that word uh, um, in the way that I do is it's just so messed up. Uh, it's so so backwards in its its thinking that uh, in its own process of being that we need to we can't press the reset button per se. I, I think, think I, I have the benefit of the same forms of ignorance that you do, as a result of which I think there are seven organizations which have succeeded 
Right. Because of your, <laughs> yeah. Because the founder had no idea how to do business. <laughs> and you know what? I should have I should have mentioned this before to you, um, because <laughs> indirectly, I once again owe all my success to you. Is that uh, do you know how um, uh, Pomona Unified heard of us through our work with Uncommon Good? Ah, uh, so thank you. <laughs> Well, I don't exactly get credit for uncommon. Well, you good. get a lot of credit for uncommon good for uncommon good <laughs> successes, I would say. The the one claim that I I made for it is that I had influenced the name of it. Yeah. I wrote about for the common good, mm-hmm. and she says she'd she'd up go in one step further. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I will look at the consciousness thing and, and, and look uh, to look to tweak that a little bit. Well, I, I, there's somebody who uh, I'm deeply troubled about and yet hopeful for. That I, I was wondering, I, well, wondering why it took so long for us to get there. Because <laughs> so I was going to ask you. I've heard from him lately a little bit, but you not have. much. Uh, you know, we were we were every day for a long time there. I was I was hearing from him. Uh, it, it, actually, he sent me something not long ago. When when did this happen?